1: The nexus or joining of human consciousness, the collective of one man becomes the suffering servant's mind whereby all men and all women are found in him. He is living the life of every other as his own. The sense of sin is now his own even though he has never sinned. As if it belongs to him, he is the servant of God to deal with it.
2: That's Pastor Michael Tanko. and this is Reaching Your Heart. Keep this telephone number in mind throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time. Once again, that phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with today's broadcast. He has entitled this message, Sacrifice. That's sacrifice. And don't forget that you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Father, may we realize that you have called us to a hope and you've called us for a blessing. And the one who has despised the day of small things, the scripture says they shall see the plummet In the hand of Zerubbabel, for it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And Father, I am grateful that your spirit has been good and will be good to us in Jesus. In his name, amen. In the book of Isaiah, there are four servant songs that describe the sufferings of Jesus Christ for us all. Why do I say servant songs? I mean, Christ is more than the great hero of the human race. Christ is the servant of God sent to save us as the sacrifice. And the first servant song is Isaiah 42, 1-4. I'm not going to read it. You can look it up later. It says in brief, Behold my servant in whom I uphold. He will not fail or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth. In the first servant song, the servant of God perseveres until his work is finished for all the earth. And God says, Behold my servant. The second servant song in the great prophet Isaiah's work, chapter 49, 1-6. to 6. In this song, the servant reveals the glory of God to the world. His salvation reaches to the end of the earth. It has no limits, no boundary. It reaches all the way to the darkest cranny of earth. And the Gospel of John relies heavily upon this song to show that the glory of Christ was manifested in truth. The third servant song is found in Isaiah 54 through 11. And it describes the terrible injustice that Jesus, the servant, must bear for others to be saved. In this song, they spat upon the servant, they pulled his beard out, they mocked at him. But the fourth servant song is the one that is the clearest of all, for in it, The servant embraces every person's suffering and ruin, every person's pain, and there's a great exchange. The injustice that he feels, the justice of God somehow mediated through it, mercy in the mix, it becomes the great exchange whereby those who die live and the one who should live dies. And in this injustice, the justification and righteousness of God is manifested and mediated through the servant. The fourth servant song is the basis of the Apostle Paul's theology of righteousness by faith. And that's not a slogan, friend. That's God's way of saving us. Righteousness by faith, as especially given in chapter 5 of the book of Romans. The fourth servant song is found in Isaiah 52, verse 13, to Isaiah 53, verse 12. It will be the focus of our study this morning. Friends, some of the most powerful stuff in your Bible is packed in these verses. So open your Bible, but you're going to need to stay in Isaiah 53 for the most part. So let's work through this text together and discover the song of suffering. That is the great song of the servant who is the sacrifice. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. As many were astonished at him, his appearance, the Hebrew word is mare, was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the sons of men. So shall he startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they shall see. And that which they have not heard, they shall understand. The first servant song that we talked about in Isaiah 49 begins with the phrase, Behold my servant in whom I polled, And here the fourth and final servant song begins with the same words, Behold my servant, but here it says, He shall prosper, he shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Christ told Nicodemus plainly in that very important visit by night in John 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And whoever believes in Him, yes, the servant, Hanging high on that cross, on that pole, like that snake that Moses hung, the bronze serpent on the pole. That person will live forever, will belong to a different kind of kingdom. To behold my servant, friend, is the call to accept and to see and to believe the servant as your personal sacrifice for sin. Now we live in a day when some people don't even think we need a sacrifice for sin. But the older I get the more I realize that I need a sacrifice for my sins. That I don't have acceptance unless that acceptance is based on a sacrifice. Behold my servant, God says. The voice in this verse is the voice of God asking you to see something you would not normally see. Behold what you need to see, God is saying. John one twenty nine. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming in prophetic language, referring back to this great servant song. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friend, you can't be saved unless you behold Jesus as the suffering servant who is the sacrifice for your sins, not someone else's, for your sins. Make it personal. Isaiah 52, 14, those who behold the servant are horrified at what they see in him. The Bible says the servant is marred beyond human comprehension. The servant is deformed, so much so that he doesn't even look human anymore. The servant, as the Son of Man, suffers beyond that of the sons of men. The supernatural nature of the servant's suffering overtakes the servant's human form. He is marred. He is no longer human in his appearance. He is dehumanized. In verse 15, the Revised Standard Version reads, He shall startle Many nations. It's a rotten translation. It doesn't capture the Hebrew at all. The Hebrew does not say this. The Hebrew reads, He shall sprinkle many nations. Friend, as the priest sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which held the law of God, the broken law of God on the Day of Atonement, the servant will sprinkle his blood on the sinners of the world, on the nations to save the world. In the fourth servant song, the servant is the sacrifice for sin. He sprinkles. And astonishment is the result of His sacrifice. I mean, who would have thought that it would have all come down to this? And so they are astonished. The text in Isaiah 52.15 reads, Kings shall shut their mouths because of Him. The politicians of this planet who talk too much and who do very little to make a difference will shut up when they see real authority, real virtue, real leadership, real strength suffering on the cross for every king and every pauper alike. By royal right, the suffering servant is the one who deserves to rule in the place of the kings of the earth who have no real right to rule because they have inflicted injustice in the earth. The servant has the right. And when they see him in his suffering, the text says, they shall understand. You know, some things cannot be explained. Some things, as much as you try to figure them out, you just can't. Some things can only be seen. And when you see something that is right, you understand it, even if you can't explain it. And so they will see and they will understand. The text says that which has not been told them, they shall see. And that which they have not heard, they shall understand. At this point, the servant shifts from sight to the sense of hearing. The voices of the prophets throughout the entire history of the Old Testament merge in the prophetic voice as one to ask a question that must be asked concerning the serpent. It is the summary of all the prophetic era looking to this point in time. Isaiah 53, verse 1, has the question, Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In the book of Isaiah, Israel can't save Israel. All of Israel's efforts to save Israel fail. It takes the strong arm of the Lord to save His rebellious people. And it's true today as it was then. We cannot save our church and our children unless the Lord does it. We need the Lord. We need the servant. The arm of the Lord sets the context for the fourth servant song. Isaiah 52.10, the Lord has bared His holy arm. The eyes of all the nations, before the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Friend, the suffering servant is in fact the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. God is in him, and God will defeat evil through him. Verse 2, Isaiah 53, verse 2, the song continues. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. The servant, he had no form or comeliness that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The point of this passage is a continuation of the sacrificial theme that states that he was marred now it gets worse. If you want a good-looking hero, the servant is not a good-looking hero because when the servant gets done with serving, the servant's good looks are gone. Because when the world was done with him, his looks and his manly form were marred and mutilated. He was a bundle of humanity broken to pieces. The manner in which the servant saves. The way he saves others shocks and horrifies The one who understands. Notice the key words that describe the sacrificial servant here despised, rejected, sorrows, grief, and then the statement, and we esteemed him not. You know, not just others, not just those at the cross, we have in our life esteemed him not. And so we were there as part of the crowd that put him on that cross. The servant is not the kind of leader most people want these days. And he wasn't that kind of leader then. He's the kind of leader, though, that we need deep inside our heart. The servant was the kind of leader that was despised by the world back then. And they still despise him today. The Hebrew expression that follows the word despised is literally the cessation of men. Most translations translate it, he was rejected of men. In his end... The servant is alone, and no one stands with him. And when he pours his soul out as a sacrifice, it seems that no one cares. The servant is the leper of the human race that men reject and flee from. In his suffering and sacrifice, he is alone. Isaiah 53:4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And here it is again, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. You see, it's not just them, it's us. We are part of the problem that made him suffer. The Hebrew reads literally, God was smitten and afflicted. The servant's pain, friend, is God's pain on the human plane. God has come down here and where we live, God has suffered instead of us. The Hebrew can literally be read, surely he has carried our sicknesses and our pains. I mean, I don't care what kind of illness you're suffering with, cancer or not. Maybe it's something slight. Maybe it's a visit to the hospital. Dear heart, Christ suffered that illness that you have. And He suffered the illness of guilt as well.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, at the end of today's broadcast, we have a special book for you. We'd love to be able to give that to. So stay tuned to find out more about that at the close of today's Reaching Your Heart. Here he
1: is, Pastor Mike, once again. The servant is the one who suffers with everyone as if he is everyone because in a sense he is. The language of the suffering servant is an echo of the angel of the Lord who was the guardian protector of Israel throughout the entire past. In fact, he is the guardian protector who redeemed them. Isaiah 63, 9. In all of their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. I mean, if you have been broken down, the servant lifts you up. The servant redeems and the servant suffers with you. The suffering servant is carrying the horrible stuff of every man and woman as a man, not as the angel of the Lord, not as the mighty protector of the Jewish nation, but as a vulnerable man. He is carrying the affliction of God's people in human form without angel strength. The guardian protector of Israel has here become Israel, the true Israel, the one who is Israel. When all Israel has failed, Israel is sound in him, the servant who will bring God's servant back to him. Isaiah fifty-three five continues the song of suffering. Verse 5, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with His stripes we are healed. The key word here is for. And you notice the repetitions of we and us. Collectively we benefit from what He has done. The key word is for. Wounded for us. Bruised for us. Which means... That which we deserve, He got. That which we deserve not, we receive from Him. The great exchange, forgiveness, whereby we should have deserved condemnation. He died and was bruised and wounded for us. The servant scourging makes us whole, and his stripes are the lashes that heal us all. The suffering servant suffers to save and to heal. He becomes the sacrifice. Why? Why the sacrifice? Because no one is good and no one can stand before God. We are all sinners and no one can heal themselves from sin as a sinner. And so there must be a sacrifice. It takes a sacrifice and God must sacrifice to save. Verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friend, everyone's evil here is piled high on the suffering servant's back. The awful sin stuff within each of us is suddenly within him who knows no sin. The Hebrew literally reads, The Lord has caused all of our iniquity to meet in him the nexus or joining of human consciousness. The collective of one man becomes the suffering servant's mind whereby all men and all women are found in him. He is living the life of every other as his own. The sense of sin is now his own even though he has never sinned. As if it belongs to him, he is the servant of God to deal with it. The collective knowledge of all evil and universal pain, that means yours and mine, is suddenly laid on him as his knowledge and his pain, all the ugly thoughts, all the awful horror of the mind that no one knows but you and God, if you're honest, running through his head in the moment that links you to him as the sacrifice, the mind mail that melts like hell in him is on the march as the servant bears the burden. For in the collective consciousness that isolates him from God and man is sin. The Siamese twin of suffering for all sufferers, who is the one of the two that the surgeon cuts off so that the other child can live. He's the servant that is cut off out of the land of the living. Isaiah the prophet declares that God has caused to meet in him all of our sin. Now, I can't understand that, but dear heart, I can see it. I can accept that which I cannot fathom the infinite suffering of the servant. Verse 7 The Bible says he was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is dumped. So he opened, not his mouth. When I suffer, when I have a cold, or something like that, I tend to talk too much. I act out. What about you? He didn't say a thing. He bore it within himself. He did not project. He did not react. He was silent. The horrible pressure from the outside meets the pressure cooker of sin and consciousness on the inside. Top between the two poles of external pressure that is oppression and the internal pressure that is gruesome guilt, not his but ours. The servant is silent in the journey to the slaughterhouse. The servant does not speak. The journey of the suffering servant is more than suffering. The journey is death, isolation, loneliness. When every person's suffering is fully exhausted in him, the servant is swept away by the death within us all. Not the death he deserves. The death within us all sweeps him away. Verse 8, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Friend, it's one thing to die for someone else and be appreciated. I mean, if you give your life and it seems like it makes a difference, that's okay. But it's another thing to die when no one seems to care. And so the servant died for his generation as one, and they did not understand or appreciate what he was doing. No one cared, it seemed. And so the suffering servant dies, what appears to be a meaningless death in his day. The text says he was stricken for the transgression of my people. Now, who's speaking here? Who's the my here? The my here is God. What God's people deserve because they have broken the covenant, the servant does not deserve, but he receives their payment, their guilt, their condemnation in place of my people, God's people. His death and his suffering represent the ultimate injustice for God and in a sense that comes from God that cannot be explained fairly. We want things to be fair. There's nothing fair about it. Injustice can never be explained. Verse 9, And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. I mean, we're all liars by nature. We deceive ourselves. We say we are something we are not. The servant had no deceit in him. Perverted justice is not justice at all. And all that is this kind of justice the servant received, perverted justice... Is injustice ever God's will? I ask you that question. Is it God's will that a person suffer injustice? Don't answer that question quickly. Is it ever God's purpose to turn the law on its head? Don't answer that question quickly. In Him it was so... And so the servant falls as the victim of injustice that was the very will of God in paradox to save those who have no just right to be saved. And so the law was turned on its head that He might save us by relying on the deepest principles of the law, mercy, and taking the injustice upon the servant. God's justice becomes the servant's injustice for all who seek the righteousness of God. Verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he makes himself an offering for sin. He shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Friend, the suffering servant here is not forced to suffer injustice. The servant chooses to suffer injustice. The servant is the one who has the power to choose the path before him or reject it. He makes himself an offering for sin. He makes that choice and he owns it, and no one else does. God does not force it. God does not make it. It is God's will, but it is not a forced will. And so the awful will of God becomes his will and the will of God that brings him to his end, and it prospers in his hand. It is a foretaste of the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus falls to the ground. He says, Not my will, but yours be done. He owns the decision. Friend, in the plan of God, a death like His is not a mistake. It is providence. It's a death that matters, that reaches to the ends of the earth. The suffering servant is God's road to a righteousness that only God can give. A right now righteousness, not based on us, but based on the servant. When we all like sheep have gone astray, there is still one left. Yes, there's one faithful Israelite who is righteous at the end of the day who has not gone astray. And He is the servant who goes to the slaughterhouse for those who have. And the righteousness of God, friend, is only found in Him. What God requires of you, what God requires of every human being, only one man can give. The righteous one who dies for the many is the suffering servant. Verse 11, He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The servant was stricken for my people in verse 8, and my means God in verse 8. And the servant is called my servant here in verse 11, because my means God here too. Friend, God has supplied a servant, a sacrifice, that is his own way to save you from your sins. It's a righteousness that is external from you, But in God's providence, it can go inside as well. Imputed righteousness that is legally accounted to you means that you have a right to live forever. Don't ever diminish that in your thinking. But friend, it's more than that. It's a right now righteousness that comes to us and warms the heart, that instills the Holy Spirit, that helps us to love God and to obey Him, that makes us fit for the homeland. As the sacrifice and servant, Jesus didn't die for good people. Jesus died for His people. The servant becomes the judge and the servant becomes the righteousness of God that saves the unrighteous. The great exchange. Thanks
2: for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And if you do call right now for a donation of any size, Pastor Mike would like to give you a book entitled Satisfied, How God Can Meet Meet your deepest needs. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxen That's reaching your heart. Dot com. If you do have the means to bless us with a little larger gift of $500 to $1,000, it would particularly help us right now to continue to bring you these messages on this station. eight 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 two four four hope That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.